Good morning. Today is my first message for this new year. And the title of my message is On That Day. People who value preparations, people who value working towards a goal, keep the end in mind or the final objective or destination that they are aiming for. Life on earth is a journey without breaks. Breaks can be spelled as breaks, as in B-R-A-K-E-S, no stopping. And life on earth is a journey without breaks. There are no going to be pauses. You and I are headed for eternity without any stopping. And for us as Christians, the biggest moment is what will it be like when we see our Lord? The biggest question that burns in our heart is what will the Lord say to me when I first see him? Have you ever thought about that? Let me make this absolutely clear, my brothers and sisters, today in my first message for this new year, that every person on the face of the earth, including every Christian, will face the Lord in judgment. Now, true Christians have no fear of eternal judgment as in eternal punishment. For because they have been saved purely and completely because of the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. And as the book of Ephesians says very clearly in chapter 2, by grace have you been saved through faith, not of your works, lest any man should boast. But all true Christians will be judged of how they lived their new lives on the earth. Because that same Book of Ephesians says, we have been created for good works in Christ Jesus. And therefore, we will be judged for the works that we did in the body on earth after we were saved. And accordingly, we will receive, by the grace of God, our rewards and our standing in eternity. So let me bring forth two very important passages that will throw light on this entire subject of judgment with respect to Christians. And then we will talk a little bit about it. The first being from the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 to 10. Follow me, please, in your Bibles. The book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 to 10. Therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, 
so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Let me be very clear. The Apostle Paul over here is writing to the believers in the church in the city of Corinth. He's not in any way referring to unbelievers facing judgment. He's saying that Christians, believers, will stand before the judgment seat of Christ on that day. Let us look at another scripture passage that will further give us clarity as to what would it be like on that day. Revelation 20.12, I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. Revelation 20.12. So, Basically, to put it very simply, there can be various aspects and facets of the judgment, and it's a study in itself, a very uh, comprehensive and a necessary and important study. But for us now, here's the point, that about the last judgment, will our sins be remembered? Will they be revealed? As one Bible teacher puts it wisely like this, the failures and shortcomings of believers will enter into the picture on the day of judgment. But, and this is the important point, the sins and shortcomings of believers will be revealed in the judgment as forgiven sins, whose guilt has been totally covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Picture it like this. Most of us are familiar with grades in school. So let us look at our life being evaluated, the quality of what came out of our life on the basis of various grades, therefore, that will be given to us. So God has a file on every person, the books that we just read about in the book of, as mentioned, the book of Revelation, chapter 20, verse 12. And so each of us has a book. I have a book right now that is recording every detail of my life. Every detail of my life that is seen and every detail of my life, even that which is unseen, it must be and it will be recorded. And all you've ever done or said, according to Matthew 12, 36, is recorded here and each of those things are given grades from A to F or F to A. And when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, according to 2 Corinthians 5.10 that I read just a few moments before, to be judged for whatever you have done in the body, whether good or bad, God will open the file and lay out the tests with their grades. And then he will pull out all the Fs and put them on one side in a pile. Now, this is just metaphorical. Uh, we don't know exactly what it's going to be like, but understand just the way things may be positioned on that day according to the scriptures that we've read. And so God will pull out all the Fs, all the bad stuff you've done, all the filth, and put it on one side in the Fs pile. Then we'll take all the Ds and the Cs as he keeps picking up the various grades of the things that we've done and pull the good parts of the test out and place them with the As and then the bad with the Fs. 
Then you will take go to the B's and the A's and pull the bad parts out of them and put them in the F file and put all the good parts in the A file, in the A file. So basically, finally, we will just have two piles of, of records of Shannon, the A's, the good stuff, and all the F's, all the bad stuff, all the stuff that I wouldn't want to see. Then he will open another book, as mentioned in Revelation 2012 again. And that will be the wonderful book of life. And he will find Shannon's name on it. Amen. And because I am in Christ and you are in Christ through faith, by grace, through faith alone. Behind your name will be a wood stick match made from the cross of Jesus. He will take the match, light it and set the F file, F files pile with all our failures and deficiencies on fire and burn them up. They will not condemn you. And they will not reward you. Then he will take from your book of life a sealed envelope marked free and gracious bonus gifted life. And he will put it on the A pile. A pile. You know, you can refer to Mark chapter 424 for that in Luke 638. And then he will hold up that entire beautiful pile of all the good things I've done by the grace of God. And the Lord will declare, by this your life bears witness to the grace of my father, the worth of my blood and the fruit of my spirit. These bear witness that your life is eternal. And according to these, you will have your rewards enter into the everlasting joy of your master. I hope this was clear. By the grace of God alone, we need not fear sin, but we must not take the grace of God for granted. We must ensure that our accounts are short, dealt with God every day. Confess your sins, for he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Don't accumulate. Let's not live a life of compromise and deception, but let us walk in the light even as he is in the light. And he gave his life for us to bring us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So, my brothers and sisters, fear the Lord and let us live wisely by his grace. But I want to take this further now, even as I've given an overview about what it will be on that day when we see the Lord. I believe there's an other aspect to the judgment of the Lord. I cannot say it's another judgment. So I say another part. This judgment is for the separation of the false believers from the true. And as in most things, even among Christians, they have and are and will always be true and false. And this is serious. And beloved, we must be mindful of this, that there will be a separation of the true and the false believers. Let me explain that further. Let us read a passage of scripture that I believe is one of the most important passage for so-called Christians. Everyone who verbally says that Jesus Christ is my savior, is my Lord. Is confession nearly enough to prove that we belong to Christ? Or is there more that is expected from the true Christians or the true disciples of the Lord Jesus? 
Matthew chapter 7, 15 to 27. I'm going to read that for us. <clears throat> Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but are inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, everyone who hear these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and yet it did not fall for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell and great was its fall. Now, these are absolutely important but serious words from our loving Savior. And Jesus is clearly making, drawing a line here, not between believers and unbelievers, but amongst those who call themselves Christian. And he's drawing a line in what we understand is the Christian world, from what we understand are are people who probably all go to church, who probably all sing the same songs, who, who probably do the same kind of things to express their faith. And Jesus is saying, not everyone who just says, Lord, Lord, who verbally seem to appear from the outside that they're Christian, are truly Christian. Years back, I was told, it's not the professors, but who are the possessors of their faith are the ones who truly are born again, children of God, true disciples of Jesus. And Jesus is clearly saying that there will be so many things that will be put forth to me on that day. People will claim miraculous signs. And that especially is a warning for us who are from the charismatic and Pentecostal church background. Many will claim to be prophesying in Jesus' name casting out demons in Jesus' name, who perform miracles on the earth in Jesus' name. And you know what? On that day, they will not be lying. They really did it in the name of Jesus. And Jesus' horrific response to them, terrorizing responses, depart from me. I never knew you because the evidence of your life showed that you were living lawlessly. You had no regard for my word. Your life did not bring forth the fruits that evidence that you are my child, that you are my disciple. Beloved, this is serious. And this is a warning for me and for each of us. At the start of this new year, 
Let us live our life by keeping the end in mind. What will the Lord say to me on that day? Will he rejoice declaring his acceptance of me? Or will I see the terror in the fire of his eyes where he will turn to people and say, I never knew you. You were not a true child of God. You were not my true disciples. And so, beloved, true Christians and disciples will not be recognized by their educational qualifications, even if they are Christian or secular. They will not be recognized by their career graph or their success. Material prosperity is not an evidence that we are true disciples of Jesus. Or wealth, or status in society, or merely good works. I mean, there are people of other faith who can beat us when it comes to charitable deeds. They give far more. They do far more. Even ministry, Jesus is saying very clearly over here, is not an evidence that we are his true disciples or fame or prominence. But the evidence is the nature and quality of the fruit our life brings. And what is this fruit that Jesus is talking about in this passage of Matthew chapter 7? You shall know them by their fruits. And he's talking about a good tree that will bring forth good fruit. He's talking about a bad tree that brings forth bad fruit. And so the evidence of a true Christian is what comes forth out of their life, the fruit. And that fruit is given to us clearly in the book of Galatians. Chapter 5, verses 19 to 23. And there are two contrasting lives that are spoken of over here. One is a, a person who's carnal and who indulges in the deeds of the flesh or the works of the flesh. And what is contrasted is a life that is born of the spirit of God, where it brings forth the fruit of the spirit. So works of the flesh, works of the flesh, but fruit of the spirit. And so he says in Galatians 5, 19 onwards, now the deeds of the flesh or works of the flesh are evident, which are sexual immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft, hostilities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22, the, the contrasting life of the spirit. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So my dear beloved brothers and sisters, what will it be for you on that day? Will it be a day and a moment of joy unspeakable and full of glory when you see the Lord? Then you know and you know the Lord and you know and you feel and you're confident that you will experience his good pleasure and his joyful declaration 
Well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done, my good and faithful daughter. Well done, my good and faithful son. You ran your race so well. You walked by faith and not by sight. In every season of your life and your soul, you worship me. You acknowledge my lordship. You acknowledge my sovereignty. You trembled at my word and you honored to pursue it by obedience, by my grace. You did not live for yourself. You did not pursue selfish ambition, but you lived for the purpose of my kingdom. You were committed to preaching the gospel and to making disciples as I commanded you. You lived a life where you pursued my glory alone. We do not want to hear, I never knew you. We want to hear, welcome into my everlasting joy. But beloved, do not take this lightly. On this Sunday of, of this first month of this year, I want to tell you clearly, the coming of the Lord is near and it is sooner than you think. And even if his coming tarries according to his sovereign will, our days are numbered. Another year has been added into our life, another day, another week. Let us take heed now, beloved. There are so many so-called Christians who live compromising life. They don't have any appetite in, for the things of God. They're living a life of indulgence, of carelessness and casualness, deception, walking in lies. And I urge you, my brothers and sisters, that we do not take the grace of God for granted. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It's better to fall on the rock in confession, repentance, and brokenness rather than the rock fall upon us. So here are the two things I want to say in conclusion. Number one, examine yourself if you're truly in the faith. And don't take this lightly, beloved. Examine yourself. You know, one of the things that uh, a brother told me recently, he said, I kept saying the sinner's prayer over and over over these years and led my parents to do the same. Why? Because we don't want to take things for granted. We don't want to take our salvation for granted. It's not that we continuously keep doubting our salvation, but we want to be sure. And so the apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 13, verses 5 to 8, test yourselves or examine yourself to see if you are in the faith. He's telling the Corinthians, test yourself, examine yourself. It's biblical to do so. It is not unbelieving. It is not, it is not a sin. It is not a wrong thing to examine if you're in the faith. Paul is telling the Corinthians over here to see if you're in the faith, examine yourself. And he puts an exclamation over there. Or do you not recognize this about yourself that Jesus Christ is in you? unless indeed you fail the test. But I expect that you will realize that we ourselves do not fail the test. Now we pray to God that you do nothing wrong, not so that we ourselves may appear approved, but that you may do what is right, though we may appear unapproved, for we cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. So my brothers and sisters, examine yourself. And secondly, if you are assured by the grace of God that you and I are in the faith, you and I are in Christ Jesus, our life is hidden with Christ in God and that we have nothing to boast in, in anything about ourselves or others or anything else except Christ alone. My hope is built on nothing else but Jesus' blood 
and his righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. I solely and wholly put my faith in Jesus' name. So my brothers and sisters, by the grace of God, grow in the fear of the Lord. Be strong in the grace of God and live wisely for the glory of God alone. Don't live to pursue wealth. Don't live to pursue prominence. Don't live to pursue the approval of men. We're not called to live democratic lives where we're seeking the pleasure and the approval of people. We're seeking to live a life that honors God. And I believe that we will run this race well and finish well by the grace of God. God has gifted us a new year. What is going to be your pursuit? Another increment? Another increase in your pay scale? Another promotion merely? Is that what we're reducing life to? We're looking for just another uh, financial increase or hoarding up riches. What are we looking for? You're looking for the next holiday? Or are you looking? And all those things are fine if our primary pursuit that fires our heart is the glory of God by seeking the kingdom of God, preaching the gospel and making disciples of all nations. I pray that that would be our pursuit. And to know Jesus and to become like him, bringing forth from our lives the fruit of the spirit, living in the fellowship of the saints. I pray that this year would be a fruitful year, lasting and abundant fruit. Your life, your family. May you have the joy this year of seeing your loved ones being saved, friends, colleagues, even strangers, people that you will meet through divine appointment, that your life would be an opportunity for them to hear the gospel and to surrender their lives to the Lord Jesus and be committed to making disciples. The Lord bless you and uh, make his face shine upon you and your family. And let us believe God for a great year for the glory of God alone in this 2021. The Lord bless you.